The reading is taken from Mark chapter 15, verses 33 to 41. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Wait, he said. Let's see whether Elijah comes down to take him. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, This man truly was the Son of God. Some women were there, watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph, and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to share this space with us right now. We ask you to interpret your word for us. Open our ears to hear your voice and our hearts to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. The theme for today is God of last resort, question mark. And again, you've been well introduced to the theme, I think, already. How many of us actually uh, invite God in before a situation arises? You know, my mum was amazing in that moment of desperation. I don't know whether she prayed before I was born, but in that moment of desperation, it was, Lord, if he survives, he's, he's there for your service. And she prayed for me every day. And I was in my 30s when God gave me the call to Romania. And I told mum, and she says, can I share something with you? And that's when she told me what she'd prayed at my birth. Involve God at the beginning, and stuff happens. You know, if, you, if it's going to rain, and you go out, or any day, let's just call it any summer day, you go outside without an umbrella, it's going to rain, isn't it? If you go out with an umbrella, it's still going to rain, but you'll feel better about it. And that's, that's the way I, I tend to think a little bit about involving God at the beginning. You can go out and do your own thing, make your plans, and uh, things will happen for the better and for the worse. But if you involve God at the beginning, you know, there's a chance he's going to steer you around the storms. But in any case, when the storms arrive, he's there with you and he's comforting you and protecting you in some way. Now, we've just celebrated the Queen's Jubilee, and this is something that the Queen, the Princess Elizabeth, spoke in a speech in 1947. And the thing that always amazes me with the Queen is I always tune into the three o'clock speech on Christmas Day, and every year it's evident that God is a big part of her thinking, her faith is a big part of her thinking. And so this is when she was 21, she's not yet the Queen. And this is what she said. This, imagine your 21-year-olds that you know saying this. 
I declare before you that all, before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. But I shall not have strength to carry out this resolution alone unless you join in it with me, as I now invite you to do. I know that your support will be unfailingly given. God help me to make good my vow and God bless all of you who are willing to share in it. So this is the future queen of this country. Obviously she didn't know how soon that would be, sooner than she wanted it to be. But in this speech, just in this paragraph, she's submitted both to the people who she will serve and to God who will carry us as a nation through whatever was to happen. She humbled herself. She admitted that she wasn't, hadn't the strength to do it. And, but the most important thing is she invited God into the conversation right at the beginning. She didn't wait till, uh, what did she call it, uh, Annas Horribilis, in order to pray. She was praying right from the beginning. And she still had storms, but God was present with her through it and present with us as a nation. So a really good example uh, that we can take some learning from. So here's our passage that we read, the death of Jesus. Mark doesn't dwell on the gruesomeness of the occasion. <clears throat> I think he just says, and Jesus was crucified, somewhere in there. He's not really interested for us to dwell on the actual situation. But what he does seem to be interested in is the people and what they did and what they were thinking. So here we've, I'm going to focus on two, two people, well two a group of people and, and a person. So the centurion, uh, which in, in what I'm going to say, I'm going to make an analogy to us as individuals and the women, who I'm going to make an analogy to us as a church. So God in our lives and theirs. Do you know, it's not just for us that we pray, is it? We pray for other people. And there's plenty in the Bible to help us pray. This is from Philippians 4 verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Who likes to be anxious? Nobody. Who do you know who you would like to be anxious? Hopefully, nobody. This is something you can pray over yourselves, as a reminder and as a petition, but also over those people you care about and maybe even over those people you care less about, but you still need to pray for them. Don't be anxious. Bring your prayers with thanks to God. It's a really important principle. How about this one? Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Again, you don't need to be fearful. You might be allergic to the rain, but if you've got a brolly, you know, you're going to have some defence from it. You might have situations that arise, you will have situations arise that are scary, that are, are not what you want, that are uncomfortable. But don't fear, because God is with you. Don't be dismayed, don't be disappointed. He's not going to let you down. I am your God. And he will strengthen. This is what Princess Elizabeth was relying on, for God to strengthen her and help her, and uphold us, 
and those who we pray for with his righteous right hand. John 14, it's actually verse 27. Peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do you know, I left my employer of 33 years And because God had prepared me on the journey, he was steering me towards Romania and somehow had engineered a situation that was perfect time to leave the company. And, uh, you know, the redundancy offer came in. I read it. What I was going to get matched exactly what I needed. And I said yes. And within two weeks, I was out of the business. Never lost a moment's sleep over it. That's peace. And so I learned from that that when you walk into God's plan, you find peace. You're walking into his love. Not that he doesn't love you before you walk into it, but you walk into the the sense of his presence. And in the sense of his presence, there's that, that feedback that you get, that sense of inner peace. So which of us wouldn't like to have a lack of anxiety a lack of fear and a sense of peace. And who of those who you pray for would qualify in the same way? It's really important that we pray over ourselves for these things and over those who we pray for for these things. But what about the church? Now, I haven't introduced the centurion. I should have done that. The centurion is like us because he was just doing the things that he'd been trained to do. The things that were normal, the things that were expected of him, and yet he got the end of his task. He'd done this many times before. He'd have been involved in crucifixions many times before. But he got to the end of this task, and suddenly, when it's too late, he looks up at Jesus and says, Surely, truly, this is the Son of God. We go through our lives... Not, well, maybe uh, acknowledging Jesus in our words, but not in our hearts. And recognising that Jesus is God. He is everything that God means. He is all-powerful. The scripture that Michael read earlier about God being all-powerful. If we wait until the crisis has happened, we're wasting our time, aren't we? We need to recognise early on that God is God. And that applies also to the church. I don't know if you've got a prophetic vision. You know, a vision that the church has agreed at a church meeting of the things that you want to do, a mission and vision statement maybe, or you, maybe you've decided there's a particular you know, focus for your ministry or ministries. This is a prophetic vision. It's what the Holy Spirit has spoken into you. And I wonder if sometimes you get frustrated that we've had this vision for goodness knows how long and it's not happening. Why is it not happening? Maybe we heard wrong. I'm going to be a little controversial, a bit provocative. There's this verse that crops up in my home church from time to time. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This is, this is talking about um, God fulfilling his plan amongst the people, healing their land. You can read that as, as 
God's vision actually coming about because God wants the land to be healed. But the question, the challenging thing, is not that he's challenging us to humble ourselves, as Princess Elizabeth did, not even that he's challenging us to pray and seek his face, but actually the provocative thing is he's challenging us to turn from our wicked ways. Hmm. Is that an easy concept? How many of us feel as if we've got wicked ways? Let me read that slightly differently. Things that are wicked are the things that get between you and God. Are there any things in our lives that get between us and God? Maybe our selfish desires, maybe our personal plans that are not God's plans. Maybe there are things and attitudes and disputes and goodness knows what within the church that cause a barrier to the Holy Spirit doing what the Holy Spirit does. Turn from our wicked ways. So the challenge I put to you is as individuals and as a church to seek God's advice. Lord, what am I doing? What are we doing that is blocking your vision, your mission from coming about in this place? We humble ourselves before you. We seek your face. We want to be so close that we can see you. We can hear your breath. We want to be close to your chest. We hear your heart beating. That's how close we want to be. But Lord, reveal to us what we must turn away from what we're doing to block your vision for this church and for us individually. There's no one here who does not have a purpose for God to ful- that God wants you to fulfill. There's no one here that God hasn't made a plan for. When I first uh, went to Romania, I was adamant I have no gift with children whatsoever. In fact, they, they confuse me and they scare me because they do things I'm not expecting. Yeah, right. And, but God put me into these situations where I wasn't relying on myself. I was evidently relying on God. That's sort of where we need to be. Don't you tell yourself that you can't do something. If God says you can, you jolly well can. And that's where trust comes in. I'm nearly there, honest. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Do you know, there's an illustration of somebody following Jesus down a narrow path and it's a bendy path. And the thing is that if if you've got your eyes on Jesus all the time, you will follow him very well. If you start looking around, you start to wander off the path. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. You want to be on the narrow path, don't you? And you don't want to do it just intellectually. You want to do it spiritually. So keep your eye on Jesus. Trust in him with all your heart. Don't believe what the devil says that you can't do something. Don't lean on your own understanding. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I have a load more scriptures there which I'm not going to go through. But I will provide the list Be blessed. Seek the face of God. Pray with thanksgiving continually. And involve God at the beginning, not just when things fall around your ankles. That's it. Bless you. Amen.